lesson tonight? Raise your hand if you need a lesson. All right, all right. Now, y'all do remember they're by the door every Wednesday, right? Y'all got that? Amen. Hold it up. Hold it up real high. I want to make sure you get them. Hey, these are really important, too, because this is the first... This is the first lesson of the new series, the new training we're going to be doing, all right? So, so raise your hand. If you don't normally take lessons or don't take notes, you need to this time, all right? We're going to do a training on personal evangelism, and we're going to go through that. So raise your hand real high. If you need a lesson, raise your hand real high. And uh, everybody else, take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter number 14. I know it says Acts 1-8 on your paper, but we'll get there here, here directly, all right? We're going to start with Luke 14, and then we're going to jump over to Matthew 28, and then we'll eventually get over there to Acts 1-8, okay? But we want to start with Luke 14. It, should not, it shouldn't have a problem finding that we were just there Sunday. Say amen. amen. Luke 14. Didn't we have a great service Sunday? Amen. My goodness, all those folks getting saved, and I'm glad God's still in the saving business. Amen? amen. And I, I, I'd like to say this. Uh, how many of y'all are glad uh, Jenny, Bernie... And Matt Jones both uh, trusted Christ today at, at work with uh, Brother Joe and, 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 and Brother Shirley. Uh, they, they were at work today, and they put their faith in Christ. Can we give God praise and glory right there? That's what I'm talking about. I don't know about y'all. That gets me, that gets me excited. Amen? That's, that's what we see in the book of Acts when it says, The Lord added to the church daily. Say it with me. The Lord added to the church daily. Daily, those who are being saved are such as should be saved. That's the way it's supposed to be. And we'll, we'll, we'll look at that here in the Great Commission. But let's start. Let's start with Luke chapter 14 in verse number 25. Verse number 25. If, you get, if you're there already, say amen. amen. It says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my what? My disciple. Key word. Key word. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost and whether he has sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first, and he consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else... While the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassador and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my, my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath the ears to hear, let him hear. Father... Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house and to study your word. Thank you for the, the chance to just spend time with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, come out of a rat race and come out of a crazy, uh, just chaotic society and world that's going to hell 100 miles an hour. Lord, our country's in a mess. Our country's in a turmoil. We see that on TV that such wickedness and blatant blatant, God-hating evil. God, I pray that you'll help us to stand tall, help us to stand strong. Lord, help us to accomplish our responsibility here upon this earth as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for your perfect will be done. Please bless this series. I know Satan doesn't want it to happen, and I know he's trying to hinder it. He's causing thunderstorms and everything right at church time, right at time for Bible study, and, and he's good at what he does. But, Lord, you're a lot better, and I pray that you'll help us. I pray that we'll grow. I pray that we'll learn. I pray that we'll, uh, uh, Lord, we'll, we'll learn some things that will make us dangerous to the kingdom of the devil. I pray your perfect will be done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Here in these verses, here in these verses which we're going to cover uh, coming soon uh, on Sundays, uh, we, we talk about discipleship. 
Uh, Sunday morning, we covered the first few verses there in this chapter, and he gives the illustration of the man who has a supper, he has a, a banquet, if you will, and he invites all, go in the highways and hedges, compel them to come in that my house may be full. And we know that's, that application is primarily dealing with salvation. Uh, the Jews, he came into his own, his own received him not, so he turned and went to the Gentiles. The Jews rejected him, and he turned to the outcasts. He turned to the rejects, if you will. And, and so when it comes to salvation, God wants his house full. Would you all agree with that? Say amen. God doesn't care who they are. Doesn't, God doesn't care where they've been. God loves them all. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He doesn't care about their history. He doesn't care about their background. He doesn't care about everything they ever did. Matter of fact, while Jesus was on the cross, dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, he was forgiving the very people that were nailing him to a cross. He was dying for the heathen. He was dying for the evil. He was dying for the wicked. He was dying for the lost. But it says, but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so God, God loves people. And God wants to save people. And God don't care who they are. He wants you to come. He put no stipulations on it. He put no regulations on it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to fix this or stop this or change this or turn over a new leaf or get your life right. You remember what we said? That, that kind of mentality is like saying, as soon as I get to feeling better, I'm going to go to the doctor. Okay, that's a bad mentality. That's not how we come to God. We come to God messy. We come to God just real. Here I am. Here we are. Here's my mess. Here's my problems. Here I am. In all of my, my, my glory, whatever that might be, all of my mess, all of my failure, all of my mess ups, here I am, Lord. And you know what he says? Come on. Come on. And, and he offers salvation. Salvation to whosoever will. If you're hungry, he said, I'm the bread of life. If you're thirsty, he said, I'm the living water. If you're dead inside, he said, I'm the resurrection. Amen. Listen, he is all of those things to us. And he just says, come. But now, now we see a, a change. Now we see a kind of a transitioning in, in, in a teaching that, that we really need to get because, man, I'm telling you, the church in America is really messing up on this deal. And we're really dropping the ball. And because of that, we can turn on the TV and see what we're seeing. Because the church has dropped the ball. America is not the way America is because of all the sinners in it. And I'll, and I'll prove it. All right? In this chapter, he turns and he sees a big crowd following him. Now, when you say whosoever will, when you say go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house might be full, man, you've got quite a variety to go with. Amen? You don't, you don't have to, he's not picking and choosing, he's not calling anything. Man, just let him come. Well, when you say let him come, man, that's going to be a bunch of people. And there was a bunch of people following him. Now watch, now watch. When they started following him, he turns around, he turns around and he looks at him and said, all right, he said, all right, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow me, well, he, he, <laughs> He gets, he gets, whew, he gets pretty tight. He says this, unless a man will hate his father and his mother, his sister, his brother, even his, even his own life and, and everything, he cannot be my disciple. Now, what is a disciple? A disciple is a student. A disciple is a pupil. A disciple is a follower. Y'all with me? If you're saved, if you're saved, we're to be a disciple. We're to be a follower of Christ, Right? Now, now he starts he start <coughs> narrowing it down a little bit. He said, okay, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow me, and he uses the word hate here. Now, don't get that, get you all tore up and out the frame and everything. The word hate here literally means to love less. He's using a hyperbole to make it, it's an exaggerated statement to make an emphasis on what he's trying to say. He is saying, you have to love me in such a way that everything else in your life seems like hate compared to your love to me. I have to be primary in your life. I have to be first in your life. Are y'all with me? And, and so if, unless I'm first, unless I'm primary, you cannot be my, my disciple. 
He says, unless a man will deny himself, forsake all that he hath, and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I know what you're thinking. Good night in the morning. Why is he asking for so much? I mean, why, why is he expecting so much? And, and get, by, listen, on Sunday, we're going to talk about this again. We're going to talk about this going through this series that we're doing on Sunday. So, so just expect to hear this again. It's not going to hurt us to hear it again. You need to hear it over and over and over until we get it. But he says this because, and he knows we're going to ask that question. He knew we'd ask the question, why are you asking so much? So he gives an illustration. He tells a story about a man who's building a building or building a tower, and he, he tells a man is fighting a war. So one that's battling and one that's building, right? And he says, what, what kind of person would just start building without trying to figure out what it was going to cost to build it so that when he starts building, he runs out of money and everybody's going to make fun of him? He says, a person doesn't do that. And what man's going to go out to fight this enemy and doesn't check the enemy out first and doesn't count the cost and says, all right, do I have enough people, do I have enough resources to whoop this enemy? If I don't, I better go seek some peace. Right? So what is he saying? He's saying, look, now I've heard people, I've heard people, uh, you know, preachers say this. If, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to count the cost. That's not what he's saying. You don't have to count the cost. He just told you the cost. What he's saying, he's already counted the cost. What Jesus is saying, let me just put it in plain terms. Jesus is saying this. I know what it's going to take to build my kingdom. I know what it's going to take to fight the forces of Satan. I know what it's going to take to build my church. I know exactly what kind of disciple it's going to take. I know exactly what kind of Christian it's going to take. I know exactly what kind of follower it's going to take. And listen, you cannot get the job done with a wishy-washy crowd. You're not going to build Christ's kingdom in the world that we're living in, in the wickedness that we're living in, in the evil that we're surrounded by. You're not going to do that with Christians who are not sold out, Christians who are not committed, Christians who do not love him primarily and more than anything else in this world, say man. He said, I've already counted the cause. I know what it's going to take. This is what it's going to, this is what it's going to require. If you want to follow me, if you want to follow me, this is what it's going to take. You're going to have to be a disciple. You're going to have to be a student. You're going to have to be a learner. You're going to have to be a pupil, if you will. And here's a good word. Here's a word we use a lot in modern day is apprentice. Right? Apprentice. Modern day. Here, here We're on the job training. <clears throat> That's exactly what Jesus did with his 12 disciples. On the job training. They were apprentices to go out and build the church. Now, here's the thing. He throws in... He throws in a, a phrase in here that it, just, it sounds like it's just coming out the blue. All right, he's talking about building, and he's talking about battling. He's talking about uh, forsaking all and following me. And then all of a sudden, he says, hey, y'all, salt's good. Now, now, when you're going through reading this, you're like, what? You're talking about carrying a cross, and you're talking about building and battling and and, and now, what do you mean that salt's good? Now watch this. This is his point. Salt is good, but the salt loses its savor. In other words, its purpose. It's good for... Come on, everybody. It's good for... You see, he's trying to tell you, you, you are the salt of the earth. Salt is good, but salt... Has a purpose. Salt preserves. Salt preserves. It retards decay and holds back decay. Uh, uh, salt flavors things and makes them taste good. Amen. How many of y'all ever had a salted ham? Hey, a mercy. That's what we're supposed to do. But watch if it ceases to accomplish its purpose, it's good for nothing. He said, but they cast out in the street. And see what they would do? They would take salt that's gone bad, salt that's gone bad, and they would throw it out into the street. They would throw it out into the, the walkways because it would, it would keep the grass from growing up in it. In other words, he's saying it's not good for its, its divine, designed purpose. Now watch this. If the church is not retarding evil and wickedness and rottenness, in our society, 
if we're not combating evil and wickedness around us, if we're not having an impact on our society, if we're not, if we're not touching those around us and, and, and changing the lives of those around us, if we're not making those around us thirsty for the gospel and thirsty to be and who, what we are, then we're good for nothing. And we're not being a disciple. We're not being a disciple. So, why is this world the way it is? It's not the lost people's fault. There's been lost people from the beginning of time. It's the salt's fault. Watch. If you put a, if you put a ham, if you put a ham outside, I wouldn't make a sandwich out of it about three days from now. Say amen. Right? Because a ham is just going to do what a ham does. It's just going to go bad. Because that's what a ham does. But if you put the salt on it, if you put the preservatives on it, y'all with me? Guess what? It's going to keep it from doing that. So watch this. So watch this. If the ham goes bad, it's not the ham's fault. The ham's just doing what the ham does. It's the salt's fault. Now, don't ask me why every illustration I have has to do with food. It just is what it is. Amen. <laughs> now, think about this, guys. So many people, so many people have, have taken and, and made church to be this hangout. To hang out with your buddies. Maybe, maybe it's become a religious place to fulfill a religious obligation you may feel because you, you know, if I go to church, God may look at me and, and, and give me the thumbs up, or He may have mercy on me throughout this week if I get my church time in. And and, and that is so warped. And that is so far from what it's supposed to be. So we have people that come and sit in a building and they leave the same way. We have people that come in a building, they hear the gospel and they hear the truth of the gospel, but they do not take it with them out there. So we got a bunch of preserved people in here and a bunch of death and decay out there. Now, now, how many of y'all would agree? Now, we're saved, right? We've come out of the highways and hedges and we've come into the banquet hall because we have accepted the invitation of the master who's prepared a great invitation for us to come. All, are y'all with me? And we've trusted him. And so now we're in the crowd that's following him. Now we are believers in Christ. Now we're followers of the Messiah. Now we are student and pupils of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what? Now what? Turn with me to Matthew 28. Take your Bibles. I promise you we'll get to the notes, hopefully. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter number 28. We're, we're, we're followers. We're disciples. We're supposed to be. Now, I, I, how many of y'all would agree that that's just not the case in, in, in most of the church in America? Now, now you, you got to admit this now. You can't, you can't, we can't stick our head in the sand. I'm telling you, if all that's saved children of God were acting as disciples like Jesus expects his act, this country would not be in the shape it's in. So, we're saved, we're following him, he's given us great expectations, amen, and so, so now what? All right, Jesus is, is giving kind of last minute instructions, if you will, uh, he's telling his disciples, you know, I, I, I've got to go, he, this is after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we're fixing to read has been penned and, and has been described and called the Great Commission. How many of y'all have ever heard that term, the Great Commission? All right, all right, that, that is something that's given out to every single believer. Not, this was not just for the 12 disciples or the 11 disciples at that time. Uh, this was not just for uh, uh, those at that time. He was speaking to, and some some uh, 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 biographies, some some uh, uh, commentaries believe that there were over 500 people here, and it was the 500 people that Paul talked about in Corinthians. 
All right? So there was more people than just 11 here. There was a, probably a great crowd because it said some doubted. And we know that the, the disciples at that time were confirmed believers. So we see there's probably, it's a good chance there was over 500 people here that were listening, that were disciples of the Lord, that were followers. And now this is what he says. He says in Matthew chapter 28, in verse number 18, if you there, say amen. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And all God's people said, Amen. Now let's break that down. The word go there, in the literal translation, it is saying, as you are going. As you are going. In other words, as you are living your life. As you are going. In other words, as you are going to work. As you are going to school. As you are going. And, and some people think that this is just a command given to missionaries. Okay, preacher, I don't, I'm not... I, I'm not called to go to Africa. So-and-so's called to go to Africa. So-and-so's called to go to Germany. So-and-so's called to go to wherever. And so this is for them to go, go into the world, go in, 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 into every creature, go into foreign nations, go into faraway countries. No, no. That's not what that's saying. That's not what that's saying. It's saying as you are going, as you are living your own life here on this earth, as you, whatever it is, you may be, you may be at McDonald's. You may be in the, in the laundromat. You may be, and Jesus gave us one of the greatest examples of this when he sat at the well in the book of John. You remember when he sat at the well, he was wearied with his journey. And here come this Samaritan woman to him, and he begins to witness to her. He took advantage of an opportunity to witness to this woman. He was doing personal evangelism. Personal evangelism. What was he doing? As he was going. He was on a journey. In that journey, he got tired. When he got tired, he sat at a well to rest while they went and got food. And so as he was going, what did he do? He made a disciple out of somebody who came into his presence. Somebody save me. Now when we, we hear the word evangelism, when we hear the word evangelism, this is what we think. We think throw up a tent. Get us a famous speaker. Get us a good band that's going to attract a bunch of people. Pack them in. Or let's, let's be more templish. Let's get a good drama. Let's get some soldiers. And, and let's get some torches. Let's get somebody that looks like Jesus. Right? And let's pack them in. Let's pack them in. That's now, now let me back up a minute. <clears throat> All that is great. All that is great. We have seen tons of people saved at our evangelistic events. So don't leave here and say, Boy, that preacher, he, he's upset. He don't like doing that no more. No, we're going to do it again. We're going to keep doing it. So how long are you going to do it? Till it don't work no more. <laughs> and then if it don't work no more, then we're going to do something different. But we're of, the, we're of the persuasion, if it ain't broke. But we are, we are good enough, and we've been doing this long enough, we realize that we're not afraid to change if it's no longer working. Say amen. Great, great quality to have. But, 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 that's not, that's not what Jesus had in mind here. And that's not what God had in mind. You see, that's evangelistic. That's doing something. That's having an activity that has an evangelism appeal, an evangelistic appeal to bring people to the gospel. But what he's talking about here is as you are going. That is personal evangelism. Okay? Say that with me. Everybody say it. All right. This is what it means. This is what it means. Scooch over, Mr. Bird. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> I'm going 
about my day. I know you can't see me on the video, but you can hear me. <clears throat> I'm in my, my daily. I run into Mr. What's up? Same old, same old. Same old, same old. Yes, Come here often? Yes, sir. Man, it's a pretty cool place. It's nice. It they, is. they have got an incredible preacher. That's the word on the street. That's the word on the street. You know why? Because I put it on the street. <laughs> My goodness. You get to go to church anywhere? I do. You do? I do. Well, act like you don't. I don't. <laughs> okay. I got hurt. I don't go to church. Anymore. Really? Yeah. Had your feelings hurt? I did. Oh, man. That's bad. Yeah. Sometimes. That's hard to get over sometimes. Yeah, man, let me tell you what happened to me. Yeah. Well, one day, one day, I, I went to church a lot. I was a preacher's kid. Oh, Lord. Yeah. But I was a good one. <laughs> you know, I know most preacher's kids, they're bad preachers. But I, I was a good, I was the exception to the rule. I was bad. And no, I wasn't bad. I was good. <laughs> and, and, and I carried my Bible, wore a suit, did all that stuff. And, you know, everybody called me a little preacher. It was kind of funny. And uh, I played the role pretty good. And, uh, and boy, one day God kind of showed me who I really was. Man, I'd go to church, and, man, I'm telling you, the preacher would be up there preaching, and, and whew, man, it'd tear me up, and I couldn't wait for him to just hush so I could get out the building and, and I figured if I get out the building, he'd hush, it'd, it'd quit bothering me. But you know what? Man, I'd, I'd go to school and it'd bother me. I'd come home and it'd bother me. Yeah. And man, I just knew God was dealing with me. You know what he was showing me? He was showing me I was a sinner. Yeah. It didn't matter that I went to church my whole life. It didn't matter that my dad was a preacher. I was just a sinner. And you know, that day I realized that and it came to, you know, all the, all the church I had been to and I realized, man, I need to be saved. And you know what? I gave my life to Christ and I ain't never been the same. It was in your heart, but it was, it was in your head. It wasn't there in your you heart. go. That's your word. Yeah. And you know what? He loves you, too. Amen. He loves you, too. And uh, y'all see what's happening? Personal evangelism. As I was going. That could have been, that could have been at the restaurant. That could have been, that could have been, uh, hey, that could have been at the hardware store. That could have been at the cattle sale. We could have just sat down. We could have sat down at the cattle sale. We could have sat down at the cattle auction and struck up a conversation. Here's the thing. People are saved daily. Acts 2 can still be in operation today. We don't have to wait till Sunday to get somebody saved. Where's Josh? Really? The balcony? <laughs> Come out here a minute. <laughs> yeah, hurry up. Come on. Come on. Some of these people think you're a figment of my imagination. <clears throat> I, I just want to prove something. Because some of y'all think that the stories I tell are just make-believe. But I promise you, if I told it, it happened. And I don't know how stuff like it happens to me. It just stuff happens to me. But it happens. Amen? Come on up, Brother Josh. Uh, if we only wait, if we only wait to, to try to hope people come into this building, when he spoke to disciples, he said, go to them. Now, when he spoke to sinners, he said, come to me. But when he spoke to us, disciples of Christ, he said, go. What, what do we say? As you are going. In other words, you don't have to raise money to get on a plane to go to Africa or Germany or nowhere else to accomplish the Great Commission. Guess what you got to do? Go to work. Guess what you're going to do anyway? And so he's saying, as you do that, as you go to school, as you, as you go to the market, as you go to the laundromat, as you go wherever you go, just, just make disciples. All right? How many years ago? Eight years ago. Eight years ago. That's right. Beginning of Obama's, yeah, okay. That's right. I don't know why I didn't know that. We, we, was, we was coon hunting, wasn't we? Coon hunting, had a big time. We just living life. And we was having a big time. Was out in the middle of the woods, just a, just a bunch of buddies having a big time. And, and, and what happened? 
a topic of conversation came up. Right? Now, we're going to learn in a minute. I hope we have time to get there. But we're going to learn that the Holy Spirit is working on people before He sends. But I have to be ready. And so little did I know. And, and guess what? Guess what? I wasn't even necessarily looking for someone. I was coon hunting. I was off the clock. But the Bible says, be ready always. Be ready always to give an answer to any man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. Be ready at work. Be ready in the woods. And guess what? A divine appointment took place. You see, little did I know the Holy Spirit had been working on him. Because every article he read, everything he saw, Every person he heard that was talking about the election, it got his mind thinking of spiritual things. It's got his mind thinking of the end of the world, the end of time, and what could happen. And all God was doing was using that to tenderize his heart. And so God brought us together. I don't even know why we'd end up coon hunting together, because me and you didn't really coon hunt that much together. We just, just happened to be there that night. <clears throat> and... And, you know, I've, I've told the story. Everybody knows how it happened. And, and you was asking me about the end of times and the Antichrist. And, and uh, we went all the way through Revelation, didn't we? Front to back. And, 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 and my memory serves me correct. You said, do you have to be in church to save somebody? Is that correct? And I said, I, don't, I can't save nobody, but I know someone who can, right? Yep. And in the woods, during the middle of the week, we got on our knees and what happened? Got you got saved. On a Monday? On a Monday, on a Monday, October 13th, on a Monday, not a Sunday, not after a message. Well, kind of was after a message. You hadn't been to church in two years. It wasn't in a sermon on a platform. It was just a testimony in the woods. Personal now watch how this works. I don't. I didn't plan that. Now we need to. We need to go fishing. What did Jesus tell the disciples? The very first thing he told them: "Come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." Now we need to be fishing. We need to be looking for people. We need to be searching out the lost, right? Because that's our responsibility. But guess what? I wasn't fishing, but I was catching. You know how? Be ready. Be ready. Now, here's the thing. Thank you, Doc. Hey, give him a hand. Now, watch. Now, watch. This is personal evangelism. Now, there are, and this is sad. This is really sad. I can't tell you, I can't tell you what that did for me that night. I can't tell you what that did for him. It changed his life forever, his direction of his life forever. I was so excited. I, if you've ever had the privilege of taking the Bible and showing someone how to be saved, it will blow your mind how great that is. That is so awesome. I'm telling you, it's so awesome. And you know what's sad? There is a huge percentage of Christians who will never experience that. Because they are not taking the great commission that God gave them seriously, and they think it's for everybody else but them. And that's not true. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for missionaries. It's not just for deacons. It's not just for evangelists. It's for every disciple. Now do you understand why this is so important? Now here's the thing. I want you to be a disciple maker. I don't want you just to go to heaven. I want you to go to heaven. But I don't want you just to go to heaven. I want you to take somebody with you. Do you realize the only thing you can take to heaven is someone else? You can't take your house. I don't care how much you like that car. That car ain't going. Y'all with me? Everything we think is so important and we think that it's just the most important thing in the world and we strive and work so hard, we can't take none of that with us. But we can take Joe and we can take Henry and we can take Josh. Right? Go. 
go and make disciples. All right? He says this, teach all nations. That literally means make disciples. Whatever you are, you teach them, and you lead them to Christ. Are y'all with me? Now, now, turn, turn with me now. Now, now hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on time. Hold on time. Hold on time. All right, will we all agree we're all, if you're saved, you're supposed to be a disciple? Raise your hand if you agree with that. We're all in agreement. Okay, I just wanted to get this clear before we go forward. All right, now, if we're a disciple, are we all in agreement that we're supposed to be winning souls? Every disciple is supposed to make a disciple. Are y'all with me? Are we agreeing on that? All right, then we got to get to it, right? I want to teach you how. Every Wednesday night for the next few weeks, this is what we're going to be focusing on. This is what we're going to be concentrating on because I need everybody. I need every Christian in here to come back on Wednesday night with testimonies and with cards saying, hey, my friend at work got saved. My friend at the laundromat got saved. My uncle in the hospital got saved. Not, oh, preacher, come talk to him. You talk to him. You have a responsibility. Say amen. Amen. Now, here's how that's going to work. I know what you're thinking. I can't. I can't save nobody. You know what the great part about that is? You don't have to. And not a th- here's another thing. Brother Sam, he didn't leave us down here alone. The most important part and factor in this whole disciple-making thing, in this whole personal evangelism thing, this whole winning other people to Christ thing, the most important factor, y'all with me? This is the most important factor in the whole deal. It is the Holy Spirit of God. So let's dive in. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. And see, it's raining, guys. So y'all just going to get wet if you leave now anyway. (laughs) Right? Acts 1.8. This is so good. I'm telling you, you're going to get real excited because i got to go fast. Because Josh took so long coming down here. <clears throat> All right. All right. Acts 1, 8. Acts 1. Now, remember, this is, this is when the disciples were asking Jesus questions about the end times and when all that's going to be, when they're going to sit in the kingdom. And, 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 and Jesus says, come on, guys. Don't worry about that. It's not for you to know the times or the season. You don't need to worry about that you got a job to do. I've already given you the commission. I've already told you to go and preach the gospel to every creature. I've already told you to go and make disciples, right? So watch what he says, Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power. Amen. Ye shall receive power. After that, the, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. All right, we're going to get power. We're going to get ability. When? When the Holy Spirit comes on us. All right, what does he give us power to do? Ye shall be, everybody say it, ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. What does that mean? Everywhere. Everywhere. Now, let's look at our notes real quick. Let's look at our notes real quick. Uh, Right quick. (laughs) Right right quick. All right, here's the thing. There's two, really two main points. First, you need to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit for the disciple. That's you, and that's me. That's every saved child of God. The importance of the Holy Spirit for the disciple. All right? Not, not necessarily for what we're going to do, but just for us in, in, in an individual purpose and, 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 and reasoning, just to live our life. Not, not so we can witness to our neighbor, so we can stay sober. So we don't beat on our spouse. So we don't cuss out our neighbor. Hello? Man, y'all getting quiet. Have we had some of that going on this week? What, you know? Why is the Holy Spirit important to us as an individual? Look here. Here's some emphasis that, that, that the Scripture gives on the Holy Spirit. John seven thirty seven. John seven thirty seven says this. In the last days. The great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, what's he talking about? But this spake he of the Spirit, which they believed on him should receive. 
for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. All right? We see an emphasis, number one, on his life-giving power. His life-giving power, number one. The emphasis is on his life-giving power. Do you remember when the woman came and she received Christ? And she carried her pot to get water. But when she received Christ, she left her pot there and left. Why? She didn't need her pot. She walked off with the well. Because she had inside of her that living water. It was the Holy Spirit that comes and gives us power. Of Somebody say amen. So the second emphasis. The second emphasis is given. Now, starting here, starting here is the chapters that are written after Jesus said he was going to die and go back to heaven. And, and, and you remember, the disciples, are all, they're all distraught about it. They're all upset about it. I talked a little bit about that at the funeral today. You know, John 13, Jesus tells him he's fixing to die and he's fixing to leave. And man, they're tore out the frame. What do you mean you're going to die? You, what do you mean you're leaving? You can't leave. We, you're, you're our Messiah. You're our friend. You, you, you're, you're everything to us. You fed us when we were hungry. You calmed us when we were afraid. And you, you stopped the storm. What do you mean you're leaving? And this is what Jesus is trying to help them understand. I've got to go. Because if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit won't come. And in order for you to accomplish your purpose on this earth, the Holy Spirit has to come. If that makes sense, say amen. Now watch this. Why? Look in John 14, 16. He says, when I go, he said, I'll pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the word... Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Jesus at that time was in human form. Human body. He couldn't be everywhere at the same time. But guess what? If he left and the Holy Spirit came... He could be in every individual believer everywhere on the planet at the same time. He says, I know I, I was a comforter while I was here, but I'm going to send you another comforter. Y'all with me? Watch this. I will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, talking about believers, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. This is an emphasis on his indwelling the believer. His indwelling the believer. What makes a Christian, a, 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 a Christian different from a lost person? Because they have the indwelling Holy Spirit. The indwelling Holy Spirit. Everywhere I go, he goes. He's in me. The Holy Spirit came in me the moment I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He put the Holy Spirit in me to be my comforter, to be my guide. Are y'all with me? He's, oh, yeah. See, that's why he had to go. He had to send the Holy Spirit to indwell all of us. All right, number three, verse 26. <clears throat> verse 26. But the comforter, but the comforter, which is the, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall do what? He shall, everybody say, he shall, teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. All right, this is an emphasis on his teaching ministry. This is an emphasis on his teaching ministry. You say, what does he teach you? Right and wrong. Isn't it amazing that after you got saved, you went to do something ignorant, and the Holy Spirit said, hey! You got mad at your spouse and you said something you really shouldn't have said. And, and all of a sudden, you knew that was wrong. How'd you know that was wrong? Because the Holy Spirit was teaching you. And you read the Bible. You read the Bible, and, 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 and it starts to make sense. Because the Holy Spirit's teaching you. Listen, his teaching ministry. i got to hurry. All right? 15, 26. Jesus is continuing in this, this thought and in, in the, in the emphasis of sending the Holy Spirit. We see his life-giving power, his indwelling the believer, his teaching ministry. Now look at this in John 15, 26. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, watch what he'll do, he shall testify of me. Jesus is speaking here. What's the, what does the Holy Spirit do in our life? Points us to Jesus. Now watch this. And ye also shall bear... Come on, everybody. Ye shall bear... 
because ye have been with me from the beginning. Now, what's he saying? He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. The Holy Spirit in you is going to point at me. And with the Holy Spirit in you pointing at me, you're going to let the world know who I am. You're going to bear witness of me through the power and the leadership and the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an illustration. At that moment, in the woods that night, in October, whatever that date was, on, on that Monday night, listen, he asked a question. In the moment he asked the question, my spiritual antennas went, You know what the Holy Spirit said? Hey! That's exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit said, This one's ready! And guess what I told him? What the Holy Spirit told me to tell him. I know some, sometimes, sometimes I can quote Scripture, and I know what y'all are thinking. How in God's name did he do that? You know what I tell you? I don't know. <laughs> well, I do know. That's kind of a lie. Because there was a day in my life that I put them bullets in my gun. And, and, and here's the thing. I don't know that all the time. I don't know that all the time. But when I need it, the Holy Spirit brings it back to my memory. There'll be times when somebody's talking to me. And I'll remember a verse that I memorized when I was in the fourth grade. I had no idea it was still in there. You remember, you remember what the Bible says about the Word? It is the sword of the... Oh. Do you notice it didn't say it was the sword of the saint? Who uses that sword? The Spirit. Because the Spirit will bring those words and bring that truth and bring the sword of God's Word to my mind. Does that make sense? That's how you witness. See, this is what takes all the pressure off of you. Because it's not what you say. Because you don't have nothing decent to say. It's not us. It's not our explanation. It's not our ability to articulate the, you know, the, 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 the proof and the evidence that Jesus would. No, no, no. It's you saying, here I am, God, use me. I'll say what you tell me to say. Now, does that mean that we, we need to be ignorant and not study the Word and know a little something? No. It means we need to learn and we need to do everything we can and be ready. So at that moment, we can trust Him that He'll bring stuff to our mind that we need to know to be able to. Does that make sense? Remember this. The Holy Spirit can't use a gun that ain't got no bullets in it. That's not good English. That does not, that is not armed properly. Right? All right. I've got to start talking like I have an education. Amen? All right. Number five. Number five. John 16. <clears throat> Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. It is very important for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, this is what he's going to do. The word reprove there means to convict or convince. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because... And, and that word sin is singular, by the way. And that is the sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief. Not believing that Jesus is the Messiah. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now watch this. Watch this. We see his emphasis on his life-giving power, his indwelling the believer, his teaching ministry, his empowering the witness, and then five, his activity in the world. His activity in the world. Let me describe it this way. Do you know why? Do you know why that Josh that night asked me a question about the Antichrist and the end times? Because the Holy Spirit had been working on him and convincing him. Y'all with me? We use the word, you know, if you've been in church a long time, you know the terminology. He was convicting him. He was under old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction, right? You see when somebody's in, a, in an invitation or you see somebody that, 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 that is lost and, and they're sitting in the, in the pew or maybe somebody's trying to witness to him, tell them, and boy, they're just, what, they're under conviction. What does that mean? They're in a battle. They're in a struggle. Satan wants them and God wants them. 
And Satan's telling to, hey, telling to take a hike. And, and God's saying, please believe me. And the Holy Spirit, when, when the man of God takes the word of God and he gives the gospel, the Holy Spirit at that time, listen, the Holy Spirit's in the pew with you. And while I'm up here delivering the gospel and telling you the truth and telling you that you're a sinner, the Holy Spirit's saying, he's right. You know you are. You know what's right. And then when I say that Jesus died for you, the Holy Spirit says, he sure did. And when I say Jesus loves you, the Holy Spirit's in your heart more than you'll ever know, buddy. And then when I say, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, the Holy Spirit's jumping up and saying, go, 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 go. Don't stay in your seat. Trust Him. Believe Him. Pray the prayer, man. Pray the prayer. He's convicting you. And He's convincing. And He's telling you that the truth that that man is giving you is right. That's His activity. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You see, when you're doing this witnessing thing, this personal evangelism thing, you're not on your own. Matter of fact, there's somebody that's been working behind the scenes long before you got there. How many of y'all have ever heard the, the term picking green fruit? Okay, let me help you. I grew up, I grew up in South Florida. I grew up, uh, uh, Mr. Marshman, there was orange trees in my backyard. Let me say this, there was orange groves in my backyard. I'm talking about grapefruit trees, orange trees, tangerine trees. And, and, and we would go into these orange groves and sample them. <laughs> this is B.C., before Christ. <laughs> or P.J., pre-Jesus, whatever you want to use. I, you know, we just, it was what it was, Amen. Well, me and my little brother, we'd sneak into this orange grove, and, and, and sometimes you'd sneak in a little early, and they were still green. And they even looked a little orange on the outside. They looked ripe on the outside, but they wasn't. And you know what? You could pull on that fruit. You could put every effort in the world pulling on that fruit, and you would break the limb off before you'd pull that fruit off because it was not ready. And you know what sometimes people do with people? You want them to get saved so bad, you start working on them before God does. Or you're ready and they're not and you get frustrated and you try to make it happen and you break something. But guess what? When Josh was in the woods, I didn't have to force anything. Do you realize you can go in an orange grove and when that fruit is ready, you can take your hand under that fruit and you can go... Did y'all catch that over there? Beep. And you know what? It'll fall right off in your hand. I didn't have to do anything. I just told him the truth. And you know what? Josh said, let's get it done. And we got on our knees and he got saved. Because see, the Holy Spirit's working, guys. He's working behind the scenes, even when we're not. You see, now here's what we got to understand about that. That's his responsibility. That's what he does. Now let's look at ours. Let's look at ours, quick. We see the, the, the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at the disciples' responsibility. Ephesians 5.18. <clears throat> Ephesians 5.18, read it with me out loud. And be not drunk with wine. Come on, everybody, come on, come on, come on. This might mess up your theology, but come on, help me now. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be. Everybody say it real loud. But be filled with the Spirit. Now flip your paper over. Flip your notes over. Flip your notes over. Watch this. Let me explain that before we go any further. <clears throat> Let me explain that before we go any further. When a person becomes a follower of Christ by putting their faith in the finished work of Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection... The Holy Spirit comes to live in that person forever. Possessing the Holy Spirit, that's salvation, 
possessing the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit are not the same thing. You could be, you could have the Holy Spirit in you, but not be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word filled means controlled by. In other words, in other words, it's the, here's the, it's the difference between you having the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit having you. What does that mean? I have the, no matter what I do, I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in me. I have the ability to quench him. I have the ability to grieve him. I don't want to. And I have the ability to resist him. But I am supposed to submit to him and be filled. What did I say that word filled means? Help me. Come on, everybody. Controlled by. In other words, I, I go where he says go. I do what he says do. I say what he says say. And this be filled doesn't mean, you know, all right, you get it a one-time shot and you're done for good. It's a constant thing. It's something that has to be over and over and over. We have to be constantly filled with the Spirit. Why? We're leaky. Y'all with me? Don't, listen, don't get this mixed up with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is that which takes place at salvation. Are y'all with me? The filling of the Holy Spirit is a reoccurring event where you come and say, and you submit and surrender to the Holy Spirit and say, use me for your glory. Somebody say amen. amen. Watch this, watch this. Being filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. We are either being controlled by our old flesh, which is sinful, or by the Holy Spirit who will enable us to live like our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now flip back over, flip back over. Three things we need to understand about this. Being filled with the Spirit, it is a command, not a suggestion. Write that down. It is a command, not a suggestion. Number two, it is not a one-time filling. We are to be constantly filled with the Spirit. We are to be constantly filled with the Spirit. Number three, this is important. This is not something we can do ourselves. It is something God does for us. Let me, let me, let me read number two. Hey, by the way, guys, take this home, please. Take this home and look at, look at these, the, the important reflection. I want you to take that home. This is homework. And, and, and reflect on this a minute. We run out of time. I wanted to do it tonight, but I, I, I didn't think I figured we'd have more time than we have but take this home take this home and go over that part because our relationship with the holy spirit is let us it is it is completely important to our ability to win souls to christ are y'all with me say amen all right now let's look at let's look at number two the importance of the holy spirit in disciple making in disciple making all right in acts 1 8 we read but ye shall receive power after that the holy ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, two things I want you to write down. First, there is a power we receive from him. Power to do what? Power to be bold. Power to witness. It gives us a, a, a knowledge, a wisdom, know when to say it, what to say. Hey, we, we not only know, need to know what to say, we need to know what not to say. Amen? All right? So when, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, He gives us a power. He gives us a power. All right? Now, B, write this down, and this is what I want you to get. <clears throat> there is a purpose. What did He say? You shall be... You shall... Uh, not you shall receive. Ye shall be. Ye shall be witnesses. Acts 1.8. Ye shall be... All right, that's our purpose. All right, look in here. B, the purpose we fulfill, here's the key word, with him. With him. I stress this to Buchanan. Buchanan's teaching the same thing over in Fairview. Listen, this is the key. We are working with the Holy Ghost. We're not here by ourselves. We're not doing this on our own. The Holy Spirit is with us. We are with him. 
He is the main cog in this whole deal. Say amen. You see, he goes before us. And then let me, this, is, this explains the next section. Let me, let me see the, the key principle. God the Father, let's all read this because this, this, I want you to memorize this. I'm, I'm going to give you some homework to do this week. Remember, this is training. This, we, have, we have moved past Bible study into training, all right? So y'all are under training. So when you have, you're under training, you're going to have homework, amen? All right, here we go. Here's the key principle. Everybody read it out loud, real loud. God the Father is constantly drawing people to Jesus through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He invites us to join in that process as we listen to and obey the Holy Spirit. What was happening? God was drawing Josh to Jesus. But he wanted to involve me in the process. So I had to be willing to submit and listen to the Holy Spirit and obey the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit says, tell him what I'm telling you. If that makes sense, say amen. So the key principle is God is always, God is always drawing people to himself. He is always drawing people to Jesus. Amen? And he wants to use us to do it. Okay, watch this. I know I'm going long, but I've got to finish this. Let's describe what a pre-Christian is. Josh, in that moment, Josh, in that moment, in the middle of them woods, he was a pre-Christian. God had been working on him. God had been dealing with him. The Holy Spirit had been doing his activity on this earth. That's convincing him of sin. Are y'all with me? He was a pre-Christian. Now, what is a pre-Christian? A person that God the Father is preparing through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to meet his son. All right? Often, this person will be used of God to reach their friends, relatives, and acquaintances with the gospel of the kingdom. And sometimes this catalytic person is referred to as a person of peace. And you can find, if you want to look that up in Matthew uh, chapter 10, it'll give an illustration of that, all right? So, here's the key principle. God is constantly, always working in this world to draw people to Jesus. God wants to use us to do that. Who do we do that with? Pre-Christians. There are people in the Coleman County, in the Coleman area, where you work, where you play, where you shop, where you hang out, that are pre-Christians, that the Holy Spirit at this moment, right now, is working on them, and He is wooing them, and He is convicting them, and showing them they are empty, and they are looking, and they are needy, but they don't know what it is. And the whole time, He's wanting to pull you and them together and put them together so the pre-Christian can meet the Christian, and the Christian can share the gospel and share their story with them so the pre-Christian become an official Christian. Say amen. amen. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. All right, here's our homework, and we're done. <clears throat> here's our homework, we're done. Here's our action steps. All right, number one, begin each day, begin each day asking the Holy Spirit to fill you and take control of your life. Now listen, you may need to do this multiple times during the day because halfway through the day, your boss may make you mad. <laughs> right? During the day, you may drop a sledgehammer on your pinky toe. And you will be filled, but not with the Spirit. Say amen. Now, I mean this. Listen, throughout the day, the devil's going to try to distract you. Throughout the day, the devil's going to try to upset you so that you won't be submitted to the will of the Holy Spirit and be listening to the Spirit. So throughout the day, say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Lord, control my mind. Let the words that come out of my mouth be pleasing to you, Lord. Throughout the day, throughout the day. Amen? Number two. All right, here's your homework. Read Acts chapter 2. How many? Every day this week. All right? Read Acts chapter 2 every day this week and meditate on the following statement. Read the statement with me. Every believer, come on everybody. Every believer is a disciple and every disciple is called to be a disciple maker. Now read it again. All right. Memorize the key principle. It's right up there above. God is constantly drawing people to Jesus through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He invites us to join in that process as we listen to and obey the Holy Spirit. Okay? I want you to memorize that. Just talk. I, I guarantee you this. If you say it three times every day, you'll know it by the end of the week. Okay? All right? Now, number four. Ask the Holy Spirit to connect you with, pre, with a pre-Christian this week and actively pursue identifying who this person is. 
when he does, share with them how God's love has changed your life. And listen, all you got to do, you don't have to know half the Bible. You remember when I was talking to Mr. Bird over there? I just told him what happened to me. You know what happened with the demoniac? And you remember when he wanted to go with Jesus? He said, no, 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 no. Just go back to your family and friends and tell them what good things God's done for you. You know, it's funny. Everybody thinks in order to be a witness that you have to know half the Bible. You have to know the Romans road. No, you don't. All you got to know is what happened to you. You can say it just like this. Now, I don't know all the details, but let me tell you what God did for me. That's all you got to do. Amen? All right? And we'll work on that part of it, too. We'll be able to work on your story and how to tell your story, okay? Number five, begin to make a list of people under the guidance of the Holy Spirit who are potential pre-Christians, all right? That's our homework. That's our homework. Keep it, listen, keep it handy. We're going to go over these things. We're in training, guys. We're in training. Here's the deal. If you don't do your homework, you got to buy me supper. <laughs> hey, and we're, we work on an honesty basis, too. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But please do this. How many of y'all are tired of seeing our country in the mess it's in? You know what? If we'd start doing our job, it wouldn't be. I might not can change Washington yet, but I can change Coleman. We got enough right here in this church to turn Coleman upside down. What if we all went out and, 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 and discovered the pre-Christian that God wants us to work with? And we won them. What would happen if we taught them to do the same? Now all of a sudden, 2,500 is 5,000. And then all of a sudden, 5,000 is 10,000. What would happen if 10,000 salty Christians went out and shared their story? you telling me we couldn't turn Coleman upside down? No, we're going to. Bless God, we're going to. Hell or high water, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Let's give God praise and glory. Come on, give him praise. Amen. All right, here's the deal. We're slightly over time. <clears throat> so what that means is if you have children in, in those areas there, when I say amen, you run as fast as you can. Listen, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but seriously, go get them younger because I'm going to be in trouble in the staff meeting, all right? So, so let's pray. Lord, thank you.